Are you one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, a history of Gwen Meredith's Blue Hills, the ABC radio serial. It stopped the nation in its time. Your teacher is Michelle Arrow, Associate Professor in Modern History at Macquarie University. And she joins us on the line. Michelle, good afternoon. Hello, Richard. This is quite a good thing to to mark the, the 90th birthday of the ABC because these are two of the most popular programs we ever put to air. They really were. They were kind of very enduring and extremely popular radio serials. So the the, the Blue Hills began in 1949, but it was uh, preceded by a serial which really sort of endeared Gwen Meredith to the Australian public, which was called The Lawsons. And so between the two of them, they ran for more than 30 years in total and she wrote every single episode. So it's a quite extraordinary achievement of writing, but also I think um, they really earned a place in Australians' hearts and kind of helped secure the ABC's place in Australians' hearts, I think. Yeah, how, this is a very special writer to, to write that amount with that much impact over, over three decades. Who was she? Yeah, so Gwen Meredith was born in Orange, so she had this kind of rural background, but she grew up in Sydney and she was quite a middle class, you know, part of a middle class family. She went to the University of Sydney, which was not at all common for women in those days and worked as a freelance writer and was involved in kind of amateur theatre for a long time before she started writing radio serials. And she kind of turned out to have a real knack for the kind of um, rhythms of speech and the kind of stories that middle Australia really wanted to hear. So she was quite a successful stage playwright and a commercial radio uh, serial writer before she took on this role writing uh, for the ABC for a very long time. Now, of course, radio drama was very important in this period, both on the commercial stations and on the ABC. Yeah, it's, you know, in an era before television and, of course, in an era where radio is becoming such a preeminent form of entertainment and a way of gaining news And for the ABC, the ABC really had, you know, as part of its charter, had this idea that it wasn't just going to be entertainment, that there was going to be an element of self-improvement, in fact, involved in in, um, what the ABC would present. And so they were very keen on making sure that Australian literature and drama was nurtured by the ABC, but they were also very keen that that Australians would get access to great works of theatre and and great works of drama through the radio. And so, you know, the ABC sees itself as, as promoting Australian writing and also, I think, slowly begins to see itself as a way of promoting Australian stories so Australians could understand themselves through their drama that they hear on the radio and then of course later on on television but radio drama of course in this period is really an important medium particularly when you know people may have gone to the cinema quite a lot but they didn't have other kinds of of live radio entertainment and so radio drama and radio serials like uh, like Blue Hills and the Lawson's become um, part of people's everyday lives in a lot of ways. And and Australian writing is, is pretty important isn't it because a lot of the radio serial scripts Portia Faces Life is one example example, presented on the commercial stations, they they imported the scripts from the United States. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of these um, commercial radio stations and, and sometimes the, the work that's, that's broadcast on the ABC too is coming from overseas. But during the war, 
they basically, you know, they, they won't release currency for people to buy radio scripts anymore. Companies can't purchase them from overseas. And so there's suddenly this amazing market for radio drama, for radio writers. And so there are a lot of enterprising former playwrights and, and journalists who turn their hand to writing radio drama. And Gwen Meredith is one of those writers, I think, who gets a lot of work writing serials and really kind of cuts her teeth writing that kind of work. And then, of course, she's right there waiting when the ABC has this idea for a new kind of radio serial. Now, they start with the Lawsons, and this is seen as an educative program, isn't it? Well, in fact, she, she, Gwen herself, when you interviewed her, talked about it as being a sugar-coated propaganda yeah. pill. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny. She says, look, you know, the, the Country Hour is this new program that was going out on the ABC, and it was really about you know, information for farmers. Every day farmers could sit down in the country hour and hear about stock prices and all these other kinds of bits of information that they needed, the weather. And then, you know, the rural department thought, well, if part of what we're trying to do during the war effort is to encourage farmers to grow new kinds of crops or to um, deal with pests in a different way, then we need to kind of present that information in a bit more engaging format than just having someone give a talk about it or reading about it. So they came up with this idea of a serial that would have a farmer and his family during wartime and kind of dealing with the issues of of life during wartime. And they would also kind of seamlessly weave in these stories about, you know, how to sink a tank or what happens if your sheep get pink eye. And, and, you know, and even the rural department, there were letters I found in Gwen Meredith's correspondence from the rural department saying, well, here's some suggestions for some dialogue. Here's how we think you could incorporate this great new storyline we've thought up for you about pink eye. But she was pretty um, dutiful in the way that she kind of took that on and, and, you know, included all of this information that the ABC rural department wanted. But the great skill I think she had was that she had this great ear for dialogue, a great ear for plot and story. And so she created this John and Ellen Lawson and their family. One of the sons is a a prisoner of war overseas. The women are kind of working the farm and there's a land army girl who's working the farm as well. So I think what the appeal for audiences was is that it was kind of a story that they could all identify with, even if they didn't live on a farm, they were going through World War II as well. So it had this really clever blend of rural education, but also great sort of soapy drama that kept people listening. Mm. Insanely popular. Uh, When Sue Lawson got married, listeners could write to the ABC asking for a copy of the wedding photo. (laughs) (laughs) I just love this idea because, you know, ABC Weekly, and if if listeners are interested, you can go onto Trove on the National Library's Trove website and look up all of the issues of the ABC Weekly now. So you can go and find these. You know, they did things like they published wedding photos and they published photos of the cast. And, of course, it's a radio play. There's no photos to be taken. So they would obviously take the cast out somewhere in the country and, you know, give them a sheaf of wheat and, and take a picture, you know. So it was very popular and insatiable sort of need for material about the Lawsons. Lots and lots of people wrote letters, you know, about how much they enjoyed the show and things like that. So that's a really interesting record for us as historians too. Like, because we don't have any recordings of the show, we have this amazing record of, of how audiences responded to it, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, and that brings us to this moment. Gwen Meredith believes she's run out of, uh, you know, a storyline with the Lawsons, so she, she decides to bring it to an end. The audience so are distraught at the thought of losing the show, so she's persuaded, really, by public acclaim yeah. to, to produce Blue Hills, which she, which she then does. Yes, she does, and she writes 5,795 episodes of Blue Hills over the next, you know, decade. So it's a quite extraordinary feat of writing. And I think one of the things that's interesting about 
Blue Hills and that's different to the Lawsons is that it wasn't set with one family. She called it Blue Hills so that she could move the setting around when she wanted to because she said that everywhere in Australia where you look, there are Blue Hills in the background. So it was a very clever title. She was able to move the show around. It was still, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a day. It kind of varied over the years. Some of the characters from the Lawsons carried over into Blue Hills, so there was a bit of continuity there. But it's interesting too that the stories move along quite slowly because at the beginning of every episode there was a little recap where they would explain what had happened in the previous one. So there was probably, you know, she managed to make it go on for a very long a very long time. And she also kind of incorporated, similar to the way that the Lawsons incorporated information about farming and, and, you know, educating the audience about farming, she educated the audience sort of initially about farming but also about a whole range of kind of hot-button social issues of the 1950s. Like what? Like what things were, were, yeah. were, were tackled? Yeah, it was interesting. There was one quite lengthy storyline about Alcoholics Anonymous and, and Alcoholics Anonymous and the kind of 12 steps and all of those things had really only begun in Australia during the Second World War and they approached her and kind of asked if they could incorporate, she could incorporate a story about a character who becomes an alcoholic and deals with Alcoholics Anonymous. She did a really um, quite lengthy story about um, the experience of post-war migrants. So she went on a, and, and she liked to, she told me that she did a lot of research when she did these stories, that it was always important for her to do a lot of research. So she went to the to England on a migrant ship and travelled back to Australia and that was part of her research for doing this experience. Um, she also did a story that was quite controversial at the time about Indigenous assimilation and about a, a white woman who falls in love with a man who is revealed to be in the horrible racist language of the time, a quarter caste Indigenous man. And so there's this concern that they cannot marry because of this concern about what might happen if they marry. You know, would they have, again, terrible mm -hmm. racist language, a throwback child, you know. Right. So this is one of those issues which was a big issue in Australian society in the 1950s. And she is canvassing a number of different views in the, in the context of the story and trying to, of course, come up with a, a kind of suitable sort of resolution. Of course, it was a happy ending in the story and all of those things. But it's, again, I think you can see her ability to speak to a broad audience and to reflect the concerns of her time in the show in, as it was kind of unfolding over this very long period in the 1950s well, and 60s. Certainly the popularity is reflected in all the texts coming in with memories <laughs> of this, uh, often as, as kids, as, as their mum listened. Uh, yeah. Total silence was demanded in our home yes. while our mother listened to Blue Hills. Our reward was being allowed to listen to the search for the golden boomerang theme music for both programs. Takes me back to the 1950s and the brown baker-like radio on the mantelpiece. That's from Lindsay <laughs> in, in Coogee. Uh, Lynette in Castle Hill, I rode my bike home every lunchtime from school so I could listen to Blue Hills too. And Blue Hills by Gwen Meredith is a memory of the lunch during school holidays as a kid in country South Australia in the 1970s. Had to be very quiet and listen. No conversation allowed. That's from Jenny in Neutral Bay. Now, Jenny's talking about the 70s and it is remarkable. It continues right into the middle 70s, doesn't it? It's incredible. It, it outlasts the Whitlam era. It goes until 1976. You know, it's it, it's a, a feat of writing. And, and Gwen Meredith used to dictate all the episodes, um, but she so she didn't have to type it. But it was a huge feat of writing and, and an achievement to, to create something that was so beloved. I think she just finally had to kind of give it up because she just was completely, mm -hmm. you know, exhausted <laughs> by it. But And also the love of the audience. You know, people really were very attached and very devoted to this show. And there's some beautiful letters in her correspondence from people when it's ended, you know, saying how much they were crying as they listened to the final episode and how they'll remember it forever. So it's a quite lovely example of the way that 
radio and, and popular media like this can kind of insinuate itself into people's lives over decades, really, and mm. becomes part of their life. Well, it was estimated that in the 1950s, half the radios in Australia <laughs> were tuned into Blue Hills at 1pm. What a great little trip in the amazing, prodigious work of, uh, of Gwen Meredith. Uh, Professor Michelle Arrow, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Another self-improvement. You can, of course, listen to Michelle Arrow's lesson again online. Just subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Michelle Arrow, Associate Professor in Modern History at Macquarie University and also, incidentally, author of a a terrific book on the history of Australia in the 70s. Uh, Now, next week, a lesson from Professor Richard Kingsford from the Centre for Ecosystem Science at the University of New South Wales. He'll be checking the pulse of the environment and how do we measure conditions. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week. Mm -hmm.